podcast i'm your host sean holland our uh, guest today is bleacher nation himself brett taylor and unfortunately we got to talk about the cubs sucking because they lost the playoffs so i mean we just me and brett talk about going into this both um covid off season and just it's going to be a tough year for the free agents for sure and just the Cubs budget issues and uh Brett knows this all so without much further ado I will kick it to my interview with Brett Taylor okay Brett welcome to holy cow he Cubs podcast glad to have you on yeah thanks for having me on Sean so um this is my first pod since the Cubs season ended we had a playoff preview, and uh, <laughs> Jared Willis, very upbeat about the Cubs' chances. I was a bit more reserved, but yeah, what? let's just get into the aftermath. What went wrong for the Cubs? Well, I mean, so it's, it's funny, too, that, like, I have, I, I guess, I mean, it's funny that this is your first pod after the loss which was a while ago at this point, but like Mm -hmm. I too have just washed so much of it from my mind because it was just so not memorable, not, not just because the Cubs lost, but because they lost just very not competitively two games over so fast. Um, I mean, in terms of what went wrong for the Cubs with the obvious caveat that in any two game sample, any team could lose to any team, um, but in this instance, I don't think it was just a fluky couple games. I mean, the, the, the Marlins, uh, pitchers made hay with the Cubs hitters. And it was in the same way that they had struggled all year. They, they could not handle velocity this year. And, um, I mean, it was just, I don't know, it, it's two games, but it was, it did kind of serve as a pretty nice microcosm for like, this is what the offensive core for this team has become maybe not quite that bad, but you know, in terms of where the flaws are obvious and have been exposed for a couple of years now, and maybe, I don't know, it's probably too Pollyanna to say that it will be a helpful uh, punctuation mark in, in terms of what needs to be done this off season, but it's certainly tied up with a bow um, the narrative that like, nah, serious changes are needed if this is going to be a competitive lineup going forward. Yeah. So basically, I guess you kind of lead us right into this next something. It's got to be, I mean, this is arguably the third year in a row that we've said things might get shaken up in a big way. <laughs> and the first two years, I mean, is it, was it financial reasons? Was it just run it back one more time. They didn't make those changes. But do you think this is the year that they actually blow things up? Even if it's like a a half rebuild or move some of these core pieces, do you think this is going to be the year? 
Well, the problem is this. So, I mean, we're in a total like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, thrice, shame on us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I wouldn't bet on a major shakeup just by virtue of um, we have three, like you said, data points now that this is it's not going to happen. But I think um, what's frustrating is as a fan and as an outside observer, we've been able to see that these that we, we could see the changes that were needed for years now. And Theo Epstein could see them, too. And um, you can offer all the excuses in the world for why it didn't happen, but it still didn't happen. And the results were the results. Now, that said, the excuses that are available are sadly pretty compelling. You know, you look at last offseason, for example. I genuinely believe the Cubs were ready to trade Chris Bryant and the timing of the uh, service time grievance and the delayed um, judgment from the arbitrator uh, really threw a wrench into that. It took much, much longer than anybody was anticipating, and that made it uh, unfeasible for the Cubs to trade him. Uh, Query why they, they didn't trade any other guys. I mean, I think there's, I mean, we could go through them, but I think there are at least plausible reasons why the market didn't play out for those guys. But you look at Bryant and um, you take his case and some of the others. And another thing I genuinely believe is that the Cubs were going to enter into this past season um, with an eye toward selling in July Mm -hmm. and not just like if things don't go great. I think that was closer to the plan than really trying to push um, because I think at a, at a mid, in a midseason, in a normal year, they were going to have some really interesting pieces to be able to deal. And obviously the pandemic blew that mm-hmm. up entirely. And so now this off season, I mean, first of all, you've got the financial implications of the mm-hmm. pandemic, which just fundamentally changed the value of these players in such dramatic ways that. I have to catch myself because I start sort of speculating on, oh, well, this is how the value will change when I really don't know anything. Nobody does. The teams don't even know. And so now you're talking about these guys with one year of control left that's still pretty expensive in a normal environment, let alone in this pandemic environment. And you're not going to get diddly squat in trade for these guys. So the question is, have we reached a point where you literally just blow it up to blow it up and you say, we've got to make a change. There's no value in trade. So F it, you know, non-tender some guys and that's that. And I don't, I don't, it's just so hard for me to see them actually doing that unless there is a mandate from on high that Mm -hmm. payroll has to be slashed to levels that we are not contemplating. Um, I don't see that happening. And so I think it's more likely that we see them run it back and then maybe they try to salvage some value in trade at midseason if the team isn't clicking and we'll all be just gnashing our teeth that it's the same crap for the, I don't mean the team is crap. I mean, the points, the points of frustration are the same crap that we've been saying for years. The same Theo Epstein press conference over and over again. But yeah, no, um, the pandemic just, just, throws all this into just total uncertainty you don't know what any team what's their financial stake you know will they sign people could the cubs get extensions for less money could that be a thing could they get Baez or bryant for less money during the pandemic 
So, but everything is just completely off balance of this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I um, I almost go day to day in changing my thinking on what the off season is going to look like, and and by that I mean, um, I think you can make a compelling case for you know, 10 to 15 teams trying to be, um, uh, trying to take advantage of the situation, knowing that there's going to be kind of mass non-tenders, a really, really soft free agent market. And, and then, and just trying to, to gameplay that a little bit and get some one year deals on guys, uh, maybe early, maybe you try to, to strike and convince a guy that like he's in a better spot to just take a quick one year deal and, and try his luck again next year. But then I'll also say that I think you can make an equally compelling case that we will uh, find out within five days of the end of the world series, which could come tonight, uh, just some shocking option declines. And that will set up, uh, you know, the, the, the jig will be up at that point. If, if we mm-hmm. see, some guys getting their options declined, the, the Cubs most notable being Anthony Rizzo, will know that teams are just flat out not going mm-hmm. to sign, that they're just in pure ditch contract mode. And, and you know, with the stuff that, that Manfred's out there saying they're saying this week, mm-hmm. I, boy, it's hard not to think that that's being teed up for a reason. And yeah, that, that, reason, yeah, yeah. that happens. Then it's just chaos. The yeah. market just collapses and... There's guys going all over the place, and yeah, it would be madness. Yeah, and and indeed, it's it's interesting because, I mean, the Cubs might have the very best barometer in Anthony Rizzo. I mean, if they were to, it's a it's a sixteen and a half million option for next year, but it's a fourteen and a half million decision because he's got a two million buyout. And if they were to decline that for this for the guy who's the face of the organization and who is in a normal time clearly easily obviously worth that salary if they were to decline that option um it's it's what you said it's chaos i mean i think that it would just be such a shock to the entire market that um oh i don't even want to think about the fighting that would ensue and the um Mm, the in the anticipation of the CBA negotiations that were going to happen next year anyway, yeah. uh, boy. So you know, I'm I'm certainly more, if I'm being positive, I, I'm more compelled and intrigued by what you said with respect to the extensions. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it would be I, like I don't, I am not looking to advocate for the Cubs to take advantage of a bad situation and and, no. and get these guys on bargain deals. But it's more about the reality that. You know, we don't know that next season is going to be a full season. I mean, we may see the same kinds of issues next year as we saw this past season. And then there's a CBA that might fundamentally change the way revenues distributed throughout the league. I'd have a hard time if I were, you know, if I'm a Javi Baez and the Cubs come to me with a pretty significant guarantee over four or five years, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like really conservative with my own you know, thinking about life and, and trying to, to lock in life-changing money. But I, I'd have a hard time being like, okay, you know what? Screw it. I don't want to take the risk. Um, especially, you know, Javi's an interesting, not to tangent too much, but his, he's an interesting conversation for this extension stuff specifically because 
in addition to everything we're talking about now, he's also going to be up against uh, just a monster shortstop free agent market next year. And that doesn't include Marcus Simeon this year. What if he signs a one-year deal and has a bounce back? It doesn't, uh, you know, Hassan Kim, who is going to be posted this offseason. Maybe he just goes to regular free agency next year. I mean, it's going to be a monster class. And if Javi were to have a not great year in 2021, you know, after the down year this year, which we could excuse because of the, the weirdness of the pandemic, if it happens again next year and then the market is is loaded with top shortstop options, mm-hmm. suddenly he's looking at a one-year deal in free agency, low-dollar deal. And so, again, I don't know that it would be the worst advice in the world to him if he's made a decent offer by the Cubs. Boy, it might be worth considering. Yeah, yeah right now with the pandemic in general, it might be not the worst idea for anyone. Yeah, but- that too. But like you were saying, I'm not saying like morally would I support the Cubs lowballing people. I'm just thinking what would they do sure. in this situation? Cubs rotation. It's going to be a lot of question marks coming up. I mean, John Lester, did he pitch his final game for the Cubs? Could they get him on a discounted deal? But what is this rotation other than Darvish or Hendricks or... Some people are talking about trading Darvish. I would hate that, but some people are talking about it. But what does this rotation look like? I've got to think that because of a lot of what we're talking about now, um, the openings in the rotation become viewed by the Cubs, and, and not unfairly so. Like, I don't think this is just a cheapo approach. I think they're likely to view the openings as an opportunity to really give runway to Adver Alzali, to Alec Mills, to take those spots and run with them. Um, I think that, so I think you will see them approaching the offseason as if they have four spots taken. And then with that fifth spot, what I think you'll see is them talking about opportunities for some of the AAA level starters, um, which again, in normal times, the Cubs would never do that. They, they would fill out the rotation. I mean, they typically have six-plus guys under contract who are established, at least swing guys. Um, but I think the combination of the pandemic and the financial situation and a, a season next year that I'm not sure is going to be this, like, balls-out competitive year, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to take advantage of that to, to give some other guys some looks. And then also shop the market for... Uh, the, those buy low, bounce back, tweak this kind of opportunity guys. Like I don't, I don't think they're going to be out there spending ten plus million on a free agent starter. But I do mm-hmm. think they will probably be exploring um, some interesting non tenders, for example. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, you know, do you think they would try to keep John Lester, or do you think it's probably pretty firmly done? The, the problem is going to be, and I remember this with um, Ben Zobris too, mm-hmm. um, and Pedro Strope kind of ran into the same situation. When you have these like veteran established guys who are intimately connected with your organization mm-hmm. and they play through their big money contract mm-hmm. or big money team control, you, it's, you don't want to 
disrespect a guy by expecting him Mm -hmm. to return for like dirt cheap and you want to give them a full and fair opportunity to explore free agency um and i think the cubs with john lester would be perfectly happy to have him back I, i i suspect if you could get them you know to be real honest they would say they're not sure uh if they wouldn't be just better off giving that rotation spot to a younger guy for mm-hmm. both competitive reasons in the near term and also then for developmental purposes. Um, but, you know, he's just he's a good guy to have around. I mean, I have a feeling he does a whole lot in um, working with other pitchers, working with the catchers, um, providing uh, competitive outings in, you know, 80% of his starts, he's at least going to give you a chance. So we'll see. I, I suspect that we will see him exploring free agency and he's going to fall into that tier of guys that uh, lingers. Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. unless he takes a really cheap one year deal from some team that he really wants to go to, he's going to be on the market and it might end up if things are really bad. If he, it's, he's going to be a guy that probably has to take a minor league deal to mm-hmm. continue his career. And it's terrible to say that, that, in a normal environment, that would not be the case. But yeah, uh, I just think that things might be that messed up. Yeah, it might be a very ugly year for free agency. I mean, like you were saying before, um, I don't know. I would we want to be around Twitter <laughs> if this is as bad as it might be, because it might get ugly. It got ugly yeah, last make, year. Yeah, the I mean, you think about the previous two off seasons. Uh, not so much last offseason, but the one before that and the one before that, where people are talking about collusion and all of the freeze out. And remember the the, the free agent spring training that they were going to do? Oh, yes. My Lord, that stuff is going to look like a picnic compared to this offseason. Yeah. So um, uh, now that we've had, see, it's so weird to say the season's over because it was such a weird season, so short and stuff, but. Um, what were your thoughts on David Ross overall in his first mini season? It's like, it's such a good question. And it's such a, in a normal year, it would be one of the like most important and most interesting questions to talk about after the season. But because of both the shortness of the season and the nature of the pandemic that affected the way the games could be played, it is really hard to evaluate. I think I would say, um, uh, let me break it down. Let's, let's talk in-game stuff first. Um, 90% of the time, no beefs with any decisions. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I mean, I think in a 60 game season and I'm, I'm pretty picky on in-game stuff because it's the nature of the job, but I think there were maybe what, four, maybe four, maybe five times that mm-hmm. I had a real serious beef with some kind of in-game decision. Um, and that's nothing. That's really small. And uh, we've been, I think Cubs fans have been, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm like totally brain blanking on the word. We've been spoiled uh, to have mm-hmm. Joe Madden and then David Ross, both of whom for we, but we fixate on those few times that we do disagree mm-hmm. with them. But like, actually, Joe Madden just made decent, solid, fine 
decisions. Like we forget what it was like to have someone that's just making head scratching decision after head scratching, scratching decision. And so in that regard, I think David Ross uh, was fine as far as we could tell. Um, I think the way he used his players uh, was, was really good. I never really had any beefs with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he put a lot of guys in positions to succeed. I think he was really quick to adjust the playing time for, for guys when, when struggles were an issue. And I think there were some lineup stuff that obviously took too long. I think the adjustments with Chris Bryant and Javi Baez took too long, but, but I can admit that that's a really delicate balance Mm -hmm. um, on when to, to make those changes. And so all in all solid, but I think mostly what I'll take away from this year in turn, as far as the manager goes is it had to have been just a brutally difficult year to be a manager in major league baseball um, because of everything else that was going to be demanded uh, of you in terms of being like a nanny for uh, a very serious situation for these guys. And for David Ross to do that in his first year, with a team that he knows well, where there was already going to be certain adjustments. Uh, and clearly, you know, the Cubs were the only team in baseball that did not have a player positive. So um, something went right. And I think David Ross probably deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And it's, you know, we were talking about them being over the buzzwords, more accountable, you know, <laughs> yeah. and their defense was massively yeah. improved. They did a lot of the little things right. They couldn't hit again, but they did a lot of those things that you could say, were they not focused, stuff like that in the past. They did improve that. Yeah, base running, too. You saw a lot fewer um, You saw a lot fewer moments where it just felt like somebody's head was in his ass. Yes, except, of course, Wilson Contreras. Because Wilson, Gosh. he... He thinks he's so much faster than he is. Yeah, so, boy, love that guy. He does. Yes. Now that he's improved his framing, he does mm-hmm. every part of the game so well, except for the base running. Boy, it's just not not great. <laughs> just, someone's gonna have to sit him down. Wilson, you're not that fast. Fast for a <laughs> catcher, not that fast. Yep. All right, so um, I guess I'll ask you a little. Inside baseball question, because I work for Cubs Insider, so smaller blog than Bleacher Nation, but just how hard it was to run a blog during this time where you're, you know, your clicks were down and I'll just ask you to just a little bit about how hard that was. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I think the obligatory thing at the outset of questions like this is of course, you know, fortunately I, I, my family's been healthy. The guys that I work with have been healthy and um, very grateful for that. And, um, oh, but it certainly when the sports started shutting down, the, there were certain economic impacts, both from that and to the, um, ad landscape that impacts us uh it got it was bad bad uh uh back in march april may um sort of you don't know 
the future is going to look like. You have to really about how you're going to get through that period of time. And uh, I think for us, we were really fortunate that early on, we we knew with some measure of confidence we were going to get through that period. And we wanted to make sure that we at least used that time when there wasn't going to be sports going on. There's only so much you can <clears throat> say and write at a time like that, that time to focus on some longer term stuff. Um, just, I don't know, not, not sitting around and being like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And, and just trying to, um, both the readership a little bit, provide people opportunities to, to think about past sports that are, provide context for what was going on with the and with the pandemic and just try to, to, to keep grinding during that time when admittedly the day to day, um, it, it was, it was, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't want to act like we're on the other side of it now because obviously we're not. Um, but definitely I, can look back at that period of time and, and just be really um, grateful for the work that the guys that I work with put in. We weathered it pretty well. No, uh, I, I, I am hopeful that for the rest of the media world, if I can put the scope on that, that um, we don't suffer too many losses, uh, particularly the sports media world that was already you know, gosh, it's easy to forget that but pre-pandemic, things were already getting chopped left and right. Get through this period of time, get through to a, a place of more normalcy with respect to sports, and, 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 and then go back about the business of trying to find footing for our industry as a whole. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I mean, we could, obviously, we first real problems, but it was hard, and I'm glad that most of us got through it pretty good, so that's good to good to good to see. So I'll ask you one more. I want you to make one bold prediction for the Cubs off season. <laughs> oh gosh, um, it's a it, that's like a fun one because um, like it, even saying like oh they'll sign a five million dollar free agent mm-hmm. that's arguably quite bold. Uh, yes. If I say just that, how about um, I'm going to say the Cubs will manage to trade one of their uh, short-term remaining guys for a um, like a challenge trade, you know, where they they're trading for another either uh, shorter-term player or a post-hype prospect or you know someone that sort of is like. Oh, I didn't think of that. I didn't think about that being a fit um, as opposed to like a pure prospect deal. Cause I just don't think you're going to get a great value in that kind of trade anyway. So yeah, that's, that's what I think will happen. All right. So I, I will let you um, plug everything you have on the internet, obviously bleacher <laughs> nation and your podcast and everything. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm Brett at bleacher nation and you can see, uh, our uh, Cubs, Bears, and Bulls coverage at BleacherNation.com. You can find me on Twitter at BleacherNation or at Brett underscore A underscore Taylor. And 
Um, yeah, if I could be so bold, I'll, I'll plug our Bears and Bulls coverage because we really want to continue to grow those because, uh, I guess, hearkening back to your question, that's a big part of being able to sustain through these ups and down times is to try to sort of diversify the coverage a little bit. So if you're into Bears and Bulls and you like Bleach Nation at all, it's it's same as the Cubs coverage, just different sports. Yeah, so that full disclosure, I am a Rams fan, so I was... Ah. Gosh, you had a good, yeah, you had a good yeah. night last night. Yes, I did. But <laughs> there's still plenty of year for them to blow. So, so. <laughs> they looked pretty darn good. I gotta say, they did. I was, I was even, I was even uh, yeah, like even accounting for the Bears' struggles, I, I was boy. I found them the Rams to be very impressive at times. So yes, kudos. Yeah. All right. And thank you for coming on my pod. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. It's good to, uh, you know, for as challenging as all this is, sometimes it is still good to just, like, let's uh, shoot the breeze on the Cubs. That's right. I am on Twitter at SDH85. You can email the podcast, holycowpod at gmail.com. Please rate and review it, and I'd love to hear your feedback. And just, this was, um, you know, it was rough. Cubs got bounced out of the playoffs pretty quick, but you know what? We're still Cubs fans, and through thick and thin, we're going to support our team, and yeah, let's just start working towards next year, and as always, go Cubs. <laughs>